Welcome to Beyond This Point. I'm Gabriel Stromberg, Creative Director of Civilization. So, what is the point of Beyond This Point? The inspiration for this podcast really came about through our studio, being so inspired by those around us who we work, collaborate, and engage with. Artists, business owners, designers, and leaders of all types. We recognize the value in having access to these distinct perspectives and wanted to create a conversation that puts a spotlight on different ways of seeing, thinking, and making. On this episode of Beyond This Point, I sat down with two champions in the book world, Peter Miller and Adrian Shaughnessy, to speak about the topic of print. Our first guest was Peter Miller, the man behind architecture and design bookshop Peter Miller Books. I feel like the term bookstore really downplays what Peter Miller Books is. His shop has been for me, and for many others, a place of discovery, connection, learning, and inspiration. I imagine that designers and design admirers from all walks of life come to Peter's shop and find something new. Whether it's books or design objects, Peter Miller Books is shaping Seattle's design landscape in a really important and impactful way. Our second guest, Adrian Shaughnessy, hailed all the way from London. Besides being a graphic designer, a creative director, a writer, a teacher, and a thinker, Adrian is also the co-founding partner of Unit Editions. Unit Editions produces many of the most coveted design books on the market, many of which you can find at Peter Miller Books. Most recently, he was editor of the long-overdue Lance Wyman monograph, published, of course, by Unit Editions. And now, let's go beyond this point. So last night when I introduced you, I said that you make books happen. Uh, What I meant by that is, yes, you're a publisher, uh, you're a writer, you're an editor, but you, with your partner, Tony Brooke, you guys are also deciders. You decide who to put that spotlight on, who to mythologize with your books. And because of that, I think that ultimately what you're producing and many of the things that you offer at your bookstore, they're artifacts. They have historical and cultural significance. And I know that last night you had mentioned that Lance Wyman is someone that you believe never really got the recognition that he deserved until recently. So do you see this monograph that you produced as having any role in changing that? Because if so, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, We live in a time where we hear that print is dead or obsolete or no longer relevant. But here you have, through a printed work, you've played a part in shifting perspective, which means that print is as strong, effective, and as important as ever. Yeah. Did we play a part? I think, I, I hope so, I hope so, it's for other, that's really for other people to decide, but I think, I think what we did was, what's happened in Lance's illustrious and long career is that different people have recognized different aspects of his career, and so he's very celebrated in Mexico, uh, he has a very strong reputation in wayfinding, he tells good jokes and anecdotes, but I think what, what we managed to do in Monograph is pull all that together because it's a very wide-ranging career. So I think maybe that's where we've made a contribution in that we've, we're showing people the totality. It's pretty much everything he's ever done is in there. There are one or two stories that he's told me on this trip that he didn't tell me and, and would have gone into the book. He didn't tell me, for instance, that he'd actually worked in Seattle in the 1960s, didn't mention that, but he casually mentioned the other day that he'd been here in the 60s. One of his very first jobs was in Seattle. And that's one of the kind of aspects of doing someone's life's work is you could never know the whole work. But I think what we've managed to do is pull together this incredible diversity, everything from icon design to major wayfinding projects for cities and zoos. Um, So I would say that was our contribution. Um, Going back to the idea that um, print is dead and no longer relevant, we live live in a digital world. 
putting out this book, I mean, you had a very significant impact on uh, design culture, design history. Do you see print as something that's still relevant and has the potential to make an impact? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I always, when people ask me that question, I always think of Frank Zappa, uh, who, who said, um, jazz is not dead, it just smells funny. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I, I, I'm a jazz fan, so I, I, you know, I don't really endorse that um, viewpoint, but it, I know what he meant. I think the debate is actually over. I, I think this print is dead, of course it's not dead. Digital has taken over, well, it hasn't. Uh, what's happened is now I think we've achieved in all spheres, I think there's a, there's, there's a really good healthy balance now between uh, what electronic, internet, all those aspects of, of publishing do and what print does. So I think, I think we've reached a kind of equilibrium. Something that really hasn't happened in the record business, which is my background is actually in the music business. I wanted to be a pop star and I discovered that I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't play any instruments, but actually that's not really an impediment in music, musical success, but um, I, um, it, 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 was my, it was my ambition. So I, I, I come from a music industry background because I, I couldn't play an instrument, but I could design record covers. And the record business got it all wrong, spectacularly wrong. You know, they sued grandmothers in Wisconsin because their kids were downloading on Napster. Uh, and instead of what they should have done is they should have, the record industry should have owned online music. But Steve Jobs did that. Steve Jobs came along and stole it from them. So publishing, print has, has been much, there's, there are problems, you know, there are newspapers that, that have gone out of business and I'm not saying it's all uh, rosy and, and, and perfect, but I think publishing world has got, it, has, has got it right. And my feeling is that one of the sectors where print has not been uh, usurped or um, swept aside is in art and design, because I think art and design is better suited in most cases, and you can't, you can't make absolute statements, but I think art and design is better suited in the printed book format. There's something about laying image and text on a page that really hasn't been bettered on uh, either in e-books or apps. Some of them are brilliant, but they're still, they're, they still haven't achieved that kind of balance and, and perfection that you can get on a well-designed page and in a well-designed book. So, Print is not dead, I just think that the print world and the internet world have found a way of finding out what, um, who would ever want a telephone directory, a printed telephone directory now? It seems insane to have them, they still do. So it's a question of finding what, what works in, in what medium. And then books are educational tools. They're ways for people to um, see things that they haven't seen before. I know particularly Peter Miller. Uh, going to your space, I always know I'm gonna find something new. Through your bookstore, I have gotten access to all types of design. It's definitely broadened my perspective. So do you wanna talk a little bit about that? How do you see the power of books? Lance's book is a book. Not particularly very good in a different format. It's a physical book. Open it up, you have a million reactions, you turn pages, you blah, 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 all of that, and you can't reenact that any other way. It's a book, uh, probably best is a book. The best news for the bookshop is that some, someone took me aside years ago, 12, 15 years ago, and said, you know, I love your store, and, um, but you're really, you're going the wrong way with these pencils and lead and paper. And I said, well, I, I probably am, but it's really the only thing I am good at, so I'll trudge on ahead and we'll see how it unfolds. And interestingly enough, never have we been so barraged by people that want paper 
and lead and want to know what the hardnesses and softnesses and lengths and thicknesses and uses and um, we have some tyrannical customers who are completely dedicated to their machines, but they're also completely dedicated to the particular paper uh, agenda or paper that they use for something else. Now, clearly, uh, when you write, if I write, I love you on a piece of paper, I have a much different commitment to it than if I type to you, I love you, because the I love you on the paper went up through my arm and across my shoulder and up somewhere up into my head and either made me nervous or pleased or thrilled or something else, but I could feel it. And I could feel it on the texture of the paper and I could feel it on the texture of the pen. And well, that's probably exactly what keeps a book sort of safe forever. You know, sooner we'll be done with trousers than we are with books. I mean, it is a particular act of your attention and your sensuality. I mean, I have, I went in to get something to show you and I have a note from my daughter that says, I love you, dad. Well, it's, I have no other source for this. And even when she calls me now, she lives in Sweden and calls and she'll say, I love that you call, but I'm always a little bit sad because every time you call is another piece of mail I won't get. If you would just send me a note, I'd be really thrilled. She hasn't heard of emojis. I she don't know. Yeah, well, she's <laughs> she, uh, she's yeah, way behind the times. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, uh, you will see in the future bookstores being, in a sense, bookstores lost their way anyway. That was part of what happened to them. They lost their way. They over-democratized themselves. They weakened themselves. They weakened their size and their look and their value and the quality of their book. And now they've readjusted and... Frankly, your books are, it's quite a moment of renaissance of the quality and brilliance of a book. Adrian told me he was discouraged that they couldn't get the book bound in England. They had to go to Germany. Maybe that will always be that way. Maybe Germany will be the binding giant of yeah. Europe, and probably that's not unheard of. But the quality, the brilliance, the texture, the nature of what you're heading into, the fact that you're wasting a beautiful Saturday afternoon to listen to a couple of folks talk about books and paper, it's really, it's great. And you have this unusual spotlight of digital detailing shining straight down on the difference between the digital and the actual, and it's become quite clear, and so now you have you have the beginning choice because really there haven't there is not a great history of design books certainly not in this country and it's begun and the publisher and the bookseller will make a relationship and and you can ask adrian both of us had to live through the period when that was quite separate and quite weak and frankly if you show me a library of books published in the 70s and 80s it's not a great library but you show me books published in the last five or 10 years, and you have a great boom of these things, which is quite exciting. And it'll be interesting to see where that, where all that. The designer, Kenyahara, he coined a phrase, this idea that a book is a three-dimensional object that's not just to be looked at, but it's to be experienced. The phrase is information sculpture. And I know that's a, it's a major way that he approaches the design of books. And uh, I was reading an interview online, Adrian, and you had talked about when you guys are designing the books at Unit Editions, it's the heft of the book. It's everything is taken into account. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Maybe the best way to talk about it is, is, to, is to stress that 
that, and I think this, we've both made this point, but I just want to really ram it home, that nobody is more pro-internet and electronic publishing than me. I think it's absolutely brilliant, and, and it's just changed so many things for the better. But there's no denying that the printed book in the hand, uh, the ability to turn pages, bookmark. I actually like books that, um, Peter won't want me to hear you say this, but I, I actually prefer second-hand books to new books. I like them when they're a bit... Smelly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect, perfect. They're very forgiving things. They, they, they will take a lot of... I actually put on Instagram, I bought a, a book from Holland, a, a really great new book, Experimental Jet Set. People know Experimental Jet Set? Wonderful Dutch designers. And I put a picture of it. I must be careful with this. But I, I photographed it on Instagram flat. And some guy straight away replied, what are you doing to the spine? You'll, I, you, you'll damage the spine. Yeah, you could feel it. Yeah. yeah. But actually, that's what a, that's, books can take that kind of handling, that whole tactile thing. And I think one of the reasons, maybe the best way, again, to answer your question is one, this kind of, it's a mini renaissance. I was in um, Tokyo recently, and sitting on the Tokyo subway, most people were, were staring into their iPhone, but lots of people were reading books. I mean, really significant numbers. And I think what's happened is we've reached a kind of, I mean, this academics talk about the kind of post-internet age, post-digital age, and I think we're kind of in that age now where people have sort of saturated their appetite for digital material. And now they're, th and you see it also, I keep going back to the record business, but you see it in this really amazing interest in, uh, in vinyl, uh, in the, re the renaissance of the LP, and that's been around for a while, but it's suddenly, I read something recently, that it's actually now kind of, paying for itself. It's economically viable for labels to produce vinyl. So I think, I think it's, we're in a period where the tactility, the heft, the, all the qualities that we talked about, I think they're coming back and I think they're partly coming back because, because we're in this, this sort of post-digital age where we know all this stuff is available. We know we can have anything, anytime, anywhere. If, you've got it, if, you're, if you're networked up, you can have everything, anytime. But actually, that itself becomes like a, it becomes like a, you know, gorge. It becomes, you've gorged yourself on it. You've just had too much. And, so, and suddenly, things like this have a kind of uh, value that is harder to, harder to maintain digitally. But I'm, I, my, you know, digital is wonderful. And I, I, I can't, I could not conceive living now without the internet. It's inconceivable that life would ever be conducted without the internet. I also think that all of those things that make a book a book that is missing from, say, the digital platform, uh, texture, history, look and feel, those things are becoming more meaningful now that we, we do you know, interface so much digitally. I mean, you're never going to see a president sworn in and put his hand on an iPad. You're just not, yeah. there's just not that yeah. meaning there. Well, there's, there's not also that context. The, the, the digital world has realized that the digital gift is, is valueless. And this kind of makes your pencil point. You know, if you give someone an iTunes file, you know, how much love is there in that? It's the most disappointing gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you get those nice little um, cards, don't you? iTunes cards. So uh, the books that you make are beautiful, and everything in your shop is, is beautiful as well. How important is beauty or aesthetics to your process and what you do? Well, maybe one of the best ways to answer that is, is both Tony, you mentioned Tony, my publishing partner, and Tony and I um, both had a lot of experience working with major publishers. And these were wonderful people, and I, I'm still friends with them, but they also drove me mad. They drove me insane, because they couldn't understand 
how we wanted it to. And, and this, this is a good example. I, I, this is an old book that I did. And I, had, I spent more, writing it was nothing compared to the battle to have an all typographic cover because they couldn't understand why. And the reason they couldn't understand was because they had to go to the buyer at Amazon. They had to go to the buyer at the big chains in the UK and elsewhere. This book was published by Chronicle. Chronicle, Princeton. Yeah, by Princeton, you're right. In fact, this is a Princeton version. Um, but I, but I, I spent weeks arguing with them about a typographic cover. And I said, look, designers, this is weird, I said, you know, designers, they actually like typography. They, you know, they, they won't, they, you know, I, I know it's a shocking you know, thing to say, but they actually won't, you know, they'll like this. And so, we, so the energy you expended on fighting publishers to have retail conventions, and so it was a great relief. And one of the reasons we, we, we set up Unit Editions was to, was to get away from all that. Because we're both working designers. Tony's still much more involved in the design. He still has a studio. I, I don't have one anymore. But we understand designers. We teach. We, we spend time with them. So we know what they like. Uh, and so our books are deliberately designed as kind of um, fetish objects, maybe. What, what's your tagline? Uh, for designers, by designers? Yeah, yeah. Books by designers, for designers. And um, it's, it's, it's just having the freedom, because we, we're only answerable to ourselves, we're having the freedom to produce the sorts of books. And for instance, because most of our sales come direct through our internet site, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about retail conventions. And, and your shop, it's, it's not a typical uh, retail outlet where everything is you know, over-emphasized, you know, rammed down your throat. Uh, so we can, we can avoid a lot of, a, a lot of that. And that's what drives us on, because we, we don't, we're not answerable to anybody. We don't have anybody saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. How are you both responding to the new internet economy? I know that Unit Editions is really unique in the way that you've kind of combined the digital platform with uh, printed matter. Probably don't look. It's probably what I do. My job is my job. My job is all the books that aren't in there. The store is defined by all the books we don't carry. I choose them. I insist that uh, they be shown correctly. I've been very fortunate to have wonderful architects design the bookcases, which seem perfectly straightforward, except they're not quite like anyone else's bookcases. And they seem to show the books better. And whenever we talk about it, I always say, well, you know, now we have to go over exactly how this front table should look, because there's a, you know, and it's my staff will roll their eyes, but they like it, because it's about believing that that everyone that comes in is able to see and respond mm. to things being of some design and some order and some intent. And that, I think, is uh, the future of trying to run a shop. And it's not something that this country's been very good at, but it's something that other countries have been quite good at. And that's, I think, the way that, I mean, there are times when you must stare at all of your place in history and there's other times when you must just shut up and do your work. And for a bookshop, I think right now is probably a time to <laughs> shut up, do your work, and hope that you will have a place in things. And I think you probably do, but I can't tell you that if one of you decides to want to have a bookshop, you should call me. But, <laughs> uh, you know, we've been very lucky. We've had there's always been something that has kept us alive. There was 25 years ago when the Japanese yen was very strong and the dollar was very weak. A man came in and he said, well, I want one of all the books on art and architecture shipped to Japan. Oh. And I said, well, 
all the books? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was 30 years ago because it was before there was a computer. Of course, the hardest task was alphabetizing. Yeah. You had to use little three by five cards. And yeah. so, but it saved us for a year. And now the store is you know, happily in there and it represents uh, what it represents and hopefully it will remain strong and you'll see it and say, ah, that's a help to me. And uh, you're under, as I've told my 22-year-old son, I said, when I was 22, there wasn't a thing, it seemed, in this country that cared about what I thought. They didn't try to sell me sneakers, socks, T-shirts, a little bit of beer, but mostly nothing. I was just a guy, a 21-year-old guy, and there was nothing. Well, that I said, Joe, you're 21 now, and every minute of your day is for sale and up for bid by someone who wants you to do something uh, essentially electronically. And you, of course, all have the same uh, assault it's a, or relation, say. Because I'm not to judge it, I'm just trying to say that it's, that's quite different to how all of us were brought up. You, there was a quiet to it. But you have, if I can get 10 minutes of your time at 10 to 7, from 10 to 7 to 7, I'll have made some money. It's hard. I, it, it's a, that's a, a really interesting point. I have a friend in London who um, worked in advertising, and he was, he's walked away from advertising. And the reason he walked away from it was because he could not understand why everybody in advertising saw the public as consumers. Yeah, and, as a, and, as a, and, and he just felt that this is unsustainable, it's inhuman, and he set up a, a, an organization that based around new ideas of citizenship. But it was exactly that point. Yeah. He was just appalled and kind of sickened by this fact that there was no view of people that wasn't a consumer. Right. It's a very, I mean, you have a task that I didn't have, which is for you to read a book, you have to clear ground. Hmm. For you to read for two hours, you have to clear ground. You have to set things away. You have to turn things off. You have to, I mean, it's not easy for you to get two hours. And for you to read Lance Wyman's book for all the work that went into it, you have to shut stuff off. Sit there. It's worth it, it's worth it. And, and, and if it's not, you'll, you'll know. No, it's just, but, yeah. Yeah. But to know yeah. the labor that went into it and to know yeah. if it's actual, you know, you have this thing. I, I didn't grow up with that. I had two hours yeah. in which nothing happened in those two hours that was trying to call me. Not a soul, not a thing, not a flicker, really. It's interesting because I, you will do that. I, I'm actually writing something at the moment for a blog, and it's called In Praise of Boredom, because I, I think boredom has, has vanished. I, I'm never bored. And, and, I, I, and, and I wonder what that... You miss it. I, well, I, yeah, I miss it, but I, wonder, I think I wonder what it's doing to me. I wonder what... The fact that because you're always wired up, because you're always networked, you need never be bored now. There's always something. And I just wonder what that does to creativity, to mental hygiene, all those stuff. So um, I'm just thinking through these things at the moment, yes. actually. Bring back boredom, I say. Let's get bored. <laughs> Well, a lot of what you both do, it seems like it's in contrast to this kind of new age of constantly being bombarded by images and marketing. Yet also, uh, I know that you have an online platform, and then uh, Unit Editions has, a, uh, has an online component to what you do. Mm -hmm. So is the answer going against this, or is the answer a combination of both? 
for me, it's a, it's definitely a, a combination of both. Because I, as I keep saying, I'm completely absorbed in in internet culture. I think the internet is brilliant. I think it's it's op- it's expanded my horizons. I have access to things that previously I didn't. So I, but for me, it's a it's it's about being having a balanced economy. It's about making sure that though you do carve out these two hours of precious time for, you know, reading, reflection, getting bored. But I think most of us get the balance right. I'm not I'm not part of the that kind of scaremongering that thinks we've all become. Um, I, I, I teach two days a week in London, and uh, we recently had um, courses in universities are, are revalidated. Do you have that here? You have course revalidation. Anyway, so these people come in, and some external people, and they um, they revalidate your course to make sure you're still uh, produced, saying what you claim to do, and the students are getting the education they claim to. And one of the panel, she was an, uh, an external person, so not employed by the university, and she referenced, meaning the students, that they're part of the cut and paste generation. And what she meant by that, because we, we asked her to expand on it, and she meant that you don't have to get deep with anything anymore. You can just cut and paste. You can just pull stuff in. And I actually, I don't think that's true. I think it's almost the opposite in a way. I think having access to all this information is an empowering thing. I, I think it makes us better, not less. And I, you know, there's books like there's one called The Shallows, where this guy has written this book saying that we've all become super shallow now because we don't have to go deep with anything. But I, I, I think it's actually a portal to a deeper understanding of things. The more information you have, the more equipped you are to deal with the world. So I, I want both, and, and I don't want, I don't want there to be less of, of, of either. I want good bookshops with excellent books, and I want bookshops particularly that will have stuff that the big chains and, and, and other places won't. But I want the internet to be this incredible, cosmic, universal space where everything is, is contained. One of the main differences, I think, from uh, finding imagery online or uh, doing research online is a lot of times you, are, you encounter images without context. Uh, and that's one of the things that uh, Unit Editions does in spades. And I think that's why what you're doing is so important. Uh, take this Lance Wyman monograph, for instance. You get a sense of his entire career and where he fits within the design landscape historically. How important is that? How important is the history part uh, of what you do? Well, it's very important, but that's a personal interest in mine. I, I, I was never interested in design history when I was working as a designer, and it's a fairly recent interest of mine. And I always, I always felt about history that once you were interested in history, you, you weren't interested in contemporary life. But I think that's that's completely wrong, and I think it's a, it's, it's the, there's, a, there's an Italian philosopher who, who says that um, all history is contemporary, and I, I completely get that. But maybe I had to get to a certain age before that came true. I think the historical aspect is interesting because I think, I think again, that's a beneficiary. That's something good that's come out of the Internet because you can see everything in Lance's book, apart from one or two personal photographs from his archive, but most of that work you can see online. Most of the books we do, you can see the work online. But exactly as you say, you will have no context, you will have no setting, you won't even... I mean, there are Tumblr sites that, were, that, that put all this work up there, and they don't even bother to name the designer. I mean, or bo- even bother out the date. So every, every time we use an image, we find the date, we find the photographer, and we put all that. And that take, but that takes time. That takes hours and hours and hours of work. But I think it's worth it. And I think one of the reasons... That, what, what, I'm, all, I'm also struck by the fact that, uh, that our books have a, a, a following amongst students, amongst young people. And I think, again, it's like it's what I was saying earlier about 
being in the post-digital generation, I think people have acquired a taste for this stuff. They're looking at historical design. They're looking at people like Herb Lubalin uh, and the people we've done books on. And it, there's an act that it's created a kind of hunger. And so we have people coming up to us who are students and, and saying, oh, I love your book on Herb Lubalin. Herb Lubalin died in 1981, most, before most of them were born. But they, they sense something. They can see something in his work. And they, and they want more. They want to know why he did it and how he did it. So I, I, um, I think history is enjoying a little kind of, um, um, I might be deluding myself, but I, I, I think history is back. History is hip. It's trending. It's trendy, yeah, yeah. Peter, I know at your shop you have contemporary design books, but you also have vintage books. And a lot of contemporary design books about past designers and architects. Uh, what's your view? How does history fit within the modern design process? But there's not much uh, published on graphic history. Uh, and one of the important things about UNIT is that they do that while they can. They can't do it back to 1910. They can't do it back to 1920. It's just very difficult to do. But it will come. It's like Louise Feely is completely in love with the deco graphics of Italy and signage. And we used to just be able to get that from books from in Italian from Italy because nobody else had it slightest sense of it. But history will come back now, I agree with you, in a wonderful way. And you will have to have some of it. And you'll have to learn some of it and all of that. And you know. but I think there's something, I just want to add something to that. History is wonderful. But I, something that we always think about is there are historical figures we wouldn't be interested in doing books on. We're interested in doing books on historical figures who have some contemporary relevance. Mm -hmm. I would say um, we've done a book on somebody, a German guy who came to Britain before the Second World War. He came as a young man, but he was Jewish, and he fled Nazi Germany, a man called FHK Henrian. And um, if you actually study this man's life, Henrian's life, we called it the complete designer because he could do everything. He, was the, he really was the complete designer. But if you, read, if you study his life, you get the most amazing blueprint for, for how to behave as, as a contemporary designer. So I think it's a really important thing to, to add to, to, the, to our interest in history, and it goes back to the Italian quote, or history is contemporary, it's finding out what is relevant to the modern. There are people who I think have little or no relevance um, to the modern condition of being a designer, but there are some people who we can learn tons from. and just. One quick thing to add is um, when we set up unit editions, I went to see a few designer friends of mine, some quite well-known British designers. And I said to them, we're thinking of starting a design company about uh, producing books on graphic design. Do you think that's a good idea? And um, most, of them said, most of them said yes. And I said, but why? Because you can see everything online. Why would you? And one guy I spoke to said two things, and they kind of pretty much made, made my mind up to to go ahead with this, because we were still thinking, is this, is this right? In the age of the, why, why would we want to do books in the age of the internet? And he said a really smart thing. He said, um, when he's looking for inspiration or, look, or looking for reference, of course he can go online and find stuff. You can find everything online. But he said an interesting thing. He said, I can't always find it again, because unless you're a kind of anal bookmarker, um, you just lose all this stuff. There's just too much of it to remember where it is. And the other thing he said was, when he's working, he works at a, like most all graphic designers, he works at a screen, and he said, but I like to have a book, the book that I'm getting inspiration from or reference from, I like to have it open on my desk by the screen. 
And I thought, yeah, that's it. We'll start a publishing company. But the other person I spoke to was a bookseller, a London bookseller, a very smart guy who runs a mini chain. He's got three bookshops called Magma. If you come to London and you're interested in graphic design, go to Magma because it's a great shop, three of them. And I went to him, and this is six years ago, because we started six years, we started five, six years ago. I went to him and I said, well, I think you're starting a, a design book publishing company. Is that a good, a good idea? And he said, no, don't do it. <laughs> and, and the reason he said was because he, when he started it, because he spotted this thing, this kind of cultural explosion around graphic design in the late 90s. And he worked in an art bookshop in London, and people would come in all the time and buy, they wouldn't buy the art books, they'd buy the, the new hip graphic design books. So he and his partner set up a, this really successful chain. And when he started, he would order 50 copies of a book. He'd order 50, 60 copies, and then he'd reorder them after three weeks. Now he orders five, 10. Uh, he, he'll sell them, but, he, but he, he cannot afford to take 50 titles. You know. And so he said, don't do it, but we did. Your, uh, your partner, Tony Brooke, is quoted as saying, books have to earn the right to be. Can you explain this? And uh, can you think of one book that has definitely earned the right and maybe one that hasn't? Of our books? No, oh, of all the books out there. Yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I have to say, I think all the unit editions have definitely earned the right oh, to be. Well, that's, that's very nice to hear. Um, what he means by, and it's, it's the same, it's, it's, a, it's a smarter way of saying what I've been saying all, the, all, all in this session, but that, that there has to be a reason for, for a book, particularly in graphic design where you can see everything online, there has to be a reason why it, it, it exists. And I would say in Glance's case, it's because no one had done it before, so that's a pretty good reason. So I think it's earned its, it's, earned its right to exist, but also pulling this amazing body of work together in a single volume, I think that, that justified its existence. Um, there are design books that I'm not interested in, but I, I wouldn't say they don't have a right to exist. I was talking to a publisher the other day, and he, he was talking about um, survey books, and what he means, I've never heard this term before, but by you know what, you, you know that term? It's just a book that gathers the latest stuff and just piles it all, does a quick survey. And I suppose, I suppose they find it, although we've done two, actually, two books on, on contemporary typography. But I think, I think um, they're getting harder to justify because you can, you're actually better off going online to see this stuff. Um, so I would say survey books, you know, these just quick compilations of, of trendy stuff. Uh, I would say they're getting harder to, but I wouldn't deny anybody the right to buy them or publish them, you know, it's great. Peter. But you know, Adrian could rank all of his books. He could tell you, sometimes a book comes out and just turns out to be magic, turns out to work or turns out to be the, what Hemingway called it, the true gen. Sometimes a book just comes out and yeah. When people sometimes ask me, they'll say, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna do a book on our firm. Do you have any suggestions? And I always say, well, you know, you look at your own library and if, it, if the house was burning down, which 16 books <laughs> would you take with you? And there's some reason for it. And then, you know, you'll, you'll buy books that you only need for a year. You'll buy books that yeah. uh, you're done with soon after that. And yeah. they may be just taking up space and should go to somebody else. But there are books that you'll have that um, they're yours. You love them. They're important. Yeah, They're, yeah. And, but he can. He can tell you. He could, if you pressed him, you could say, which ones? Because uh, it's a, it takes a kind of special magic to 
Have a book come to life. And it's also timing. I mean, yeah. certain things, the moment just comes. And it's, and it's, it's and it may pass. Yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. And it may pass, but then yeah. other books yeah. may not. I mean, there's a, you know, it's an interesting thing about books mm. that they, uh, and you will have the same relationship to yours. And some of them, you'll lose your relationship to them. And I would say, get them out of your library. Mm. Clean yeah. it. Yeah. You know, get it out of there. I mean, yeah. and you will, uh, you know, you'll be the first moment in history in which you will judge people by the books they do, they have and do not have. <laughs> You will look at someone's home and say, whoa, look at that. Mm. I mean, I, as a bookseller, I've always been very careful to sort of keep it zipped if I look at someone's <laughs> library. <laughs> you know, I, I, it takes me but a heartbeat mm. to look at someone's library and tell you a million things. Mm. But my best advice is sometimes the book is done. You just... Yeah. I, what am I greatest pleasures in life is having, I have, I have hundreds of books, I'm sure like most people in this room, I, they stick to me, but the, one of the most exquisite pleasures in life is, is finding that a book you bought 10, 15, 20 years ago suddenly becomes mm. relevant. And that, I just, that's a great moment for me. It's kind of, I kind of, I love when that happens. Do you have any prized possessions, any notable books you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I do, but it's I, I am. It, there's an interesting Tony, my, my publishing partner. He he is a collector. He's a bona fide graphic design collector, and he goes online and he buys posters and rare books, uh, and he pays a lot of money. I can't do that. I scour charity shops and secondhand bookstores looking for um, for, for bargains. So a lot of my books that I prize the most are expensive books that I've got for you know a few quid. Peter. Any prized possessions? God, I have the prized best specimens. copy of Lady Chatterley's Lover yeah. you've ever seen. I, I bought it in a box of books with a bunch of other things. It was uncut, 1924, privately printed in Florence, Italy. I never really liked Lady Chatterley's Lover, but um, I gave it to a wonderful bookbinder, and she kept it for six years and showed up one day. And she said, I finished it, and it's great. And, you know, I also have a little pocket paperback of... Uh, Studs Lonigan that I think has one of the great covers of all time, and it's books. Books are a yeah. books are a, a wonderful and human act, and um, you know I have this um, three plays by Hendrik Ibsen. <laughs> not an easy, not a page turner for the beach, but I had a friend who's doing a, an Ibsen play, and I'm saving it for him because he'll love it. Mm. If you want to see how they really work, give a book to a little kid. We have uh, a publisher in New York who sends us children's books to give away, not to sell, but mm. to give away in the story. He said, here, I have a great thing for you. And he sends these books and they come. You have to find the right one. And if you're correct, the child will tell you that you've done a good thing. You've hit the right mark. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond This Point is created by Civilization, a design firm rooted in social change. The podcast is audio engineered by Dave West and produced by Eric Blood. Listen to more of our podcasts at beyondthispoint.design.